blue cloth representation of two things, putting together, connecting the dots of the Old Testament and the New. When Moses had to move the people through into the other side, to the land of the fulfillment of God's promises, God did a most miraculous and wonderful thing. He parted the sea. Could you please tear this cloth into two in a moment? We've got it started. We'll tear it now. Just hold on. Not yet. Quite yet. The miraculous thing that was even so much more miraculous, and perhaps by familiarity, we get to take it kind of in our stride. But the miraculous thing that the Lord did when Jesus died on the cross was that the separating cloth, the veil, that kept the Holy of Holies away from all people except the high priest, was torn in two. And forever and ever and ever, all God's people who receive the work of the cross are able to be reunited in intimacy with God. They are brought through into the fullness of being in the presence where the Ark of the Covenant stood. And it was like, no, nobody, taboo, that you can't go into that place. It is so sacred, you can't enter it. The Holy of Holies. When Jesus died on the cross, that was forever open to us. And we can access his presence. We can live in his presence. We can, in fact, be so intimate that we can have his presence right inside us. It was the greatest miracle ever. And I want us to just like cement it by visually seeing how that parting of the sea was yeah, it was a pretty big miracle. You know, like people watch the Steven Spielberg music, movie and they're like, whoa, what a scary big miracle, amazing. But actually, what Jesus did on the cross was more of a miracle and the most incredible reality that he brought us into in our lives. So, will you tear this in two, please? Totally, totally split forever. Thank you, guys. And just put that down at the cross, at the cross. Awesome. And, you know, I love how Jesus taught because he always used visual things. I mean, he got down and he drew in the sand or he referred, he's talking about the condition of the heart. He would look at a field and he would use those symbols and those metaphors. Or he would say, you know, we must go into the water to make that symbol really part of what you experience physically as well as spiritually when you're baptized. Or the wine, as Kirsty was talking about it, and the, and the broken bread. You must eat it. He used physical things to make it real for us. And, um, and I think today, the, the visual symbols help us so much get the incredible reality of what the Lord has done to really sink into not only our brains, but into our hearts a lot of the time. So I'm, you know, Kirsty's covered it basically all, but I just want to cement a few things and maybe build just very, very briefly on a couple of things she touched on. Um, the newness of life, the fact that the Lord has brought us into that inner place, into the Holy of Holies with Him through Jesus, is to me revolutionary and completely life-changing. And sometimes it seems like we live still 
on the one side of the cross, not really realizing or not living. Maybe we, we realize it in our heads and our theology, but not living fully in the reality that God has brought us into. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that right now you would massage the truths that you want revealed in a fresh way to us today, right into not just our heads, but right into the center of our being, into our hearts, into our souls, that we'll have such a tangible, through the simplicity often of the symbols, but also the profundity of the symbols, that we'll have such a new revelation in our lives of the freedom, the life, the peace, the joy of living this incredible life that you've brought us into. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence right now with us, Jesus. Thank you. And God, I, I want to thank you today. Each one of us join in this to thank you for the inclusivity of the gospel. There's nobody left out. It's not for clever people, for spiritually um, people who've spiritually attained some kind of high elevated space. It's not for just the young or just the old or leaving out children. It's, it's for everybody. It is simple enough for the youngest, simplest kid and it's profound enough for the most wise sage. In fact, more profound than we could ever grasp with human wisdom. And so I want to thank you for that inclusivity. Every color, every culture, every nation, every race, every type of person. You've included us all in the wonderful salvation. Here I am, stretched out on a cross. Come, come, come. Receive what I have done for you through my sacrifice. We praise you. We thank you. And I just want to nail down into Scripture some of the truths that Kirsty outlined for us, represented here. Um, in the cedar plate and by the cross. When Jesus died, as I said, that this cloth was torn into the veil in front of the Holy of Holies. Um, but it's not just us kind of trying to see some symbolism. There's actually a beautiful verse in the Bible that is so key. And when it's Matthew 27, 50 and 51, it says, when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, and at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Freedom in Jesus right there, out of darkness, for those that receive his work, his perfect work of salvation on the cross, we are taken immediately out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light as his sons and daughters. And what about 1 Peter 2 verse 9? Think of it in this context. You, apply it personally as you hear it, you are chosen people, no longer separated, a royal priesthood, God's special possession, so that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. And I want you to picture the cross as we did last year in our home gatherings, as this is the darkness, but we've been taken out, we've been taken through the cross into a whole new life, into a whole new kingdom 
ours is the kingdom of light. And we want to give, I just have such a sense that God is saying to us today, give Jesus what he paid for. Live a life worthy of the glorious gospel. Live it full and free. What are you doing sort of half lurking in the shadows? He paid the ultimate and such a high price to bring you through. I want you to live like that, my people. You're my sons, you're my daughters. And so we praise Him. We thank you for what He's done. Therefore, another verse, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body, Let's live, let's live in that fullness with confidence, with confidence. Um, just briefly to go back to the symbols that Kirsty explained so well. He set his people free. Remember this one? I feel that sometimes, I mean, I feel like that sometimes. I'm sure many people relate. Sometimes I feel like I'm building bricks in Egypt, you know? I'm just kind of stuck by something. There's some obstacle that has lifted itself up higher than it is because to God, all obstacles, there's nothing that's impossible. Something seems to have like tyranny, some kind of power over me, whether it's a disease or whether it's something else. It just seems like this thing that's keeping me stuck, the circumstance or whatever. And I feel like I'm just like stuck there building bricks in Egypt. That's not what God wants for us. So to encourage us today, if we're feeling like that, let's remember, in Him, no obstacle is permanent. No obstacle is there that cannot be moved. We don't need to be in captivity or slavery to anything in our lives. Let's challenge ourselves on that one again, right? So we want to just once again commit ourselves to leaving behind all that stuff today in whatever form it presents itself in our lives. Bitter herbs, the bitterness of this captivity. Think of what Jesus said. He proclaimed this as his mandate. We've talked about it before, but it's so powerful. What he said in Isaiah 61 when he read that scroll, he said, I've come to set the captives free. Obviously, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never met Him as your Savior, you've never given yourself your life to His redemptive love, His presence in you, then you say, okay, that was my captivity. Now I'm free. And that is right. So the theology of that is perfect. But it's like the reality in your life. Are you prepared to say to Him, look, this stuff is just holding me in fear, in depression, in worry, in whatever, stress, I'm driven, I'm driven by whatever. I don't want that. I want to be truly free. You died to set me free. It's for freedom you set me free. God, I want to, by the power of the Spirit, embrace that today, like fully. So that's what I feel the Spirit just urging us to do. Salt water, the tears. There are tears in our lives. The reality is that as much as it was part of the experience of the Israelites, sometimes even in our life, walking out this Christian life, walking it in partnership with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, there are tears, right? 
There's sometimes tears. So it's not only the salt water of the sea, but also the tears that were shed. But I want to say once again, in that Isaiah 61, he's like, Jesus says, instead of mourning, my divine exchange is to turn your mourning into the oil of joy. Lord, no matter what person has died in my family, maybe it's truly mourning of death, the things that perhaps I feel like I've lost, the regrets, the hurts I've experienced, whatever it is, I'm going to bring that to you as a sacrifice today. I'm going to say, there it is. I'm putting it like the salt water in front of me. And I'm saying, Jesus, would you, in the supernatural power, give me a download of the joy of heaven? Not that every circumstance in my life is going to be happy, happy, happy. But the joy of heaven, the oil of the joy of heaven is so deep. It massages the deepest wounds. It heals the deepest cuts. He's promised. He cannot lie. He will comfort and he will change. In his processes, in his beautiful way, the Holy Spirit will change those places of hurt and pain and sadness. And he will give you, even in the processing, the oil of his joy. I've seen him do it. I felt him do it. He's true to his word. He promises. But we have to, as it were, bring the cup of our tears. Say, Jesus, exchange it. You also died that for that. And I bring you my suffering. I bring you my tears. I bring you my sadness and my hurt. Give me the joy of the oil of heaven. It's also a symbol of baptism, the water, I believe. New life in him as is the egg. New life, the new birth. And it says that, you know, the word says that everything is completely new. In Jesus, there's new life. We celebrate resurrection at Easter. New birth, new life. And there's that beautiful verse. I just want to anchor it right down into the word. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Let's just meditate. Let's take it. The old is gone. The new has come. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. And sometimes we hold on to old stuff because we're afraid to let it go. We feel we won't feel so comfortable or so secure. Or because we feel like it's really a treasure in our lives. But it's like once again, bring that to him. And let him engulf the old with the new, which is so much better. New life, new creation in him is always better than the old. It's like, won't you give up the lollipop and the chewing gum that you think is just the best thing you've ever experienced? And won't you get the finest Swiss chocolate? It's just like, there's no comparison in my book anyway. In my metaphor, there's no comparison. Let him give you the true treasures of who he is and who new life in him is. Because actually the new life is in him. 
He lives in you by His Spirit. His nature becomes the new life expressed through your personality, through who you are. You don't lose who you are, but you're perfected in who you are because His perfect nature is in you. So that's just a beautiful thing to embrace. New life, new life. The bone, of course, His death. And I want to say we revisit the cross so often because it's just the most beautiful truth and the beautiful reality in our lives. But let's remember that it was actually an eternally perfect and complete work. The work on the cross, you know, we don't have to carry the shame and the guilt of every little mistake or thing we do because actually the blood of Jesus has paid the perfect and ultimate price for every sin you've committed in the past for everything in the present and everything you might do wrong in the future, his blood is an eternal, perfect, and complete work. And we apply that to every situation in our lives. But there's nothing we have to add. There's nothing we have to strive to put on top of that. We don't have to now strive for sanctification. We have to allow his spirit to work the whole reality of the perfect of sacrifice on the cross into our lives. Let his spirit work it through. You can't do it by outside stuff, behavior you're trying to correct. That's always only a plaster on top. You've got to get it from the inside out, and that's the work of his spirit, his beautiful, perfect work. Come, Holy Spirit, wash, sanctify every day. It all flows from the cross. We don't have to live in the striving to get things right um, in our own strength. It's all through him, and it's the most beautiful, beautiful, wonderful work. What he purchased for us is priceless. And when we have him, when we receive him, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us, all the inheritance of the sons of God come in and through him. In fact, in some cultures and lands, still to this day, when they celebrate Pesach, they, I've just got one piece of jewelry, but they actually lay jewelry on the table. Because you'll remember that when the Israelites left Egypt, they were given jewelry. The, the Egyptians just sent them off with treasures, with all kinds of jewelry and gold and silver and whatever, treasures they took with them. Out of the darkness of Egypt, they were given the treasures. And that's what Jesus does in our lives. He has, I mean, Robbie started by saying, it's like a treasure hunt, right? He's hidden so many things for us. Our whole life is like a treasure hunt where we keep finding things along the way that God has hidden for us. You're like, oh, the amazing treasures, every good and perfect gift comes from our Father. He is a Father who loves to give good and perfect gifts, those genuine gifts that last forever, that don't fade and fizzle away. And we are carrying treasures with Him in us that will be revealed as we journey with Him through our lives. Another verse that has really God's been speaking to me about um, from Isaiah 45, I would like to read, because we started by tearing that cloth, the sea that opened, the veil that was torn asunder miraculously, 
listen to what the Lord said to Cyrus, because that was another captivity he brought his people out of. They were in Babylonian captivity. And he said, Cyrus, I've called you to lead these people out, like he called Moses to lead them out of Egypt. And this is what he said to Cyrus as kind of his anointing for that task. He said, I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places so that you may know I am the Lord. And when we think of moving out even more and more intentionally into the freedom that Jesus has called us into, let's remember the treasures. He can cut through, what is a gate of bronze for you? What is a bars of iron for you? In our lives, it might be different things. He can cut through that and he can be treasure even out of darkness even out of those dark places, he can bring treasure. He wants us to live in the full inheritance of our birthright as sons of God, the new birth. And so I want to just sow that seed of expecting to find all the treasures that God has for us in Jesus Christ in our lives. So again, to just um, end today and move into worship let's remember the cups the four cups to life to freedom to peace to jerusalem which is the temple of we are the temple the body of christ in whom he is glorified and will be more and more and more until we in the final fulfillment in his presence um and yeah jesus said when he drank that cup he said or before he actually I think celebrated the Passover and knew that he was going to go to Calvary he said father I mean he was in agony he said father please if if it's possible that you can spare me from drinking this cup please it was a bitter sad and painful cup but he said for the but but if it is your will I will do it he promised that. He said, yet not my will, but yours. And then there's that other verse in Hebrews that said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Out of his cup, that was surely a painful cup to drink, came our cup of joy. Our cup of joy. He bought for us through what he did and the pain he endured. He bought for us cups of blessing. And when we drink the communion cup, we are drinking cups of joy, of life, of freedom, of blessing, of glory because of what he did. That is what he's done for the joy set before him. And he did it all out of love. Love, love, unconditional love, that redeeming love. Um, and we want to celebrate. We want to end by worshipping him um, in freedom, in joy, in life. The other day when I was thinking about my life, I said I would actually like to be known this is my, my desire. I would like to be known as a person who lived a full, abundant, joyous life worthy of the gospel. Because whatever happens in my life circumstantially, I want to live a life worthy of the gospel, which is a free, full, joyous life. Because Jesus drank that cup so that I could drink the cup of his joy and gladness and blessing. That's what he's bought for us. They're cups of blessing that we celebrate at Passover. So when we celebrate, 
in worship just now. Let's do it with our whole hearts. Let's do it in that spirit of life, of joy, of freedom. Um, the, interestingly, the song of Moses on the other side of the sea, when they entered the promised land, apparently it's the first recorded corporate song. It said Moses and the Israelites with him sang the song. And then in Revelation, it says all the redeemed at the throne sing the song of Moses before the throne of God one day. Come on, guys. From the beginning of time. It, yes, exactly. From the beginning of time, right until we stand in heaven in the presence of God, we sing that song of deliverance from captivity, of freedom, of victory, of joy, of life, of the new birth in the new land, of the fulfillment of his promises and the fullness of inheritance. So I want to encourage you to give it all you've got with your prayers. Um, as we thank Jesus for not just the meaning of this day, but for everything he's done for us in our lives.